This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode 401. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, a network consisting now of four podcasts. You can learn more about those at podcasts.concealedcarry.com. I am your substitute host, Jacob Paulson. I am joined today by co-host Matthew Merrister. How are you doing, Jacob? I'm not <laughs> bad. Yeah. The lights are on. The water's running. I figure yeah. that's... That's the good sign right now. It's crazy when you ask people how you're doing, you know, and it's like normally there's people give you an answer, but now it's just like everybody's like, I don't know. Like, I'm just stuck in my house. I don't, I don't know how I'm doing. I guess it's good. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so today we're going to be discussing bugging in, uh, whether or not we're really prepared for, the law, you know, being quarantined, I guess, in the home or other things that might happen in the future. And uh, kind of really going through some thoughts specific to home defense and other prepper type related survival considerations. It's going to be fun. But first, word from our sponsors. I guess I'd have to know who our sponsors are. I'm just yeah. joking. Wait, I know one of them. One Today's episode is brought to you by our Home Defense Conference, our 2020 conference. Now, let me tell you a little bit about what this is. As a company... We are looking at all the things going on out there. Certainly, uh, small businesses are struggling. Uh, we're a small business. We're trying to keep it going, keep paying our people, even though you know the government doesn't want anyone to work and wants us all to go home and no one wants to buy anything and all those kinds of things. But we're doing our best and we're looking at all of you and looking at what you're going through. Many, many of our listeners have lost their jobs. Uh, they no longer have work or they're working from home or they have to do more with less. And we're trying to decide how to support our people out there, the concealed carry community. And so we decided as a company to do this home defense conference. It starts on Thursday of this week, March 26th. And what the conference effectively is, is a six days of free content about home defense. We are pulling video content from our complete home defense course, which is a course we filmed back in late 2018. And we're sharing uh, portions of that course for free over a six day period starting this week on March 26th. You can learn more about that at concealedcarry.com forward slash HDC for home defense course, concealedcarry.com forward slash HDC. You can get registered. It's 100% free. And like I said, over the course of six days, we will share three videos a day for a total 18 videos about various topics from you know fatal funnels and clearing rooms and retention and all sorts of cool stuff. It's good. It's good content. Very good content comment here who's from Corey Allen who's viewing live he says I have I have the complete home defense course and it's awesome so thank you Corey for that uh, little testimonial Brett Johnson says looking forward to the home defense conference we appreciate uh, Brett you being registered and it's going to be a great time our other sponsor today is concealedcarry.com I don't know if you've ever heard of those guys Matthew I haven't I haven't you yeah you have to fill me in on that they're kind of new on the block concealedcarry.com <laughs> um, they're a small business based out of Colorado and somehow these guys, I mean, they, they seem like decently intelligent, but I don't know how they pulled <laughs> off getting the domain concealedcarry.com, but it makes them sound pretty legit. And their website's got all sorts of uh, information and tools and articles and videos, and they have podcasts and they have a store where you can buy stuff and they ship it to you. Yeah. All the, all the stuff that you're going to be seeing in these, in this conference, as far as the video content, the, the training and, and all the, you know, cool gadgets and stuff that we use for dry fire and stuff. We sell a lot of that stuff on the, on the page because, uh, we want to be that one-stop shop for not only training, but for, uh, you know, your, your products that you want to buy and be able to go to a place and, and be, confident that you're not going to get junk like we're we vet the stuff we we test it and we use uh use the stuff ourselves so it's uh it, it's important that we are able to to do that that whole one-stop shop for uh for concealed carry and self-defense yep i know many of the people who are listening are um economically more strapped than ever I'm seeing comments right now from people who are participating who are laid off and don't have mm -hmm. work. Um, but many of you are yeah. not affected as economically. And, and certainly we appreciate your support, uh, both in the past that you've given any current support and future support from any of those of you who may place an order at concealedcare.com forward slash shop. You can browse the, I don't know, between 500 and 600 products that we have for sale, probably about 50 of which are our 
our own products that we make, manufacture, or have manufactured uh, on our behalf, and then uh, uh, hundreds of other products that are industry standard, well-recognized name brand products that we also uh, sell and ship out. I've noticed a, a significant increase over the last week or so on holsters. I, you know, probably from all these new gun buyers everyone's talking about. But we sell holsters, I think, for like 14 name brands, from 1791 gun leather to crossbreed to stealth gear to keepers concealment and many many others. Uh, check out all of the products we have for sale right now at concealedcarry.com forward slash shop and quickly to answer the question from mark here on facebook no we do not sell toilet paper <laughs> uh, though i did see i got an, an email ad from uh i think black rain ordinance and they were running a special deal buy one roll of toilet paper for 900 dollars, get a free rifle <laughs> so now there you go mark you could you know buy toilet paper from black rain ordinance apparently and you get a free rifle when you do so okay so, Matthew. Yes, sir. Let's talk about this whole bugging in thing. So, a couple, a couple of thoughts. Let's start with the uh, you know, very firearm-related home defense stuff. Uh, when, when the topic home defense comes to your mind, what are some things that uh, you know that are your first thoughts when you think about you know defending the the cat or fortifying the castle? Yeah. Wow. That's it's it's such a huge huge uh, topic, right? Um, so it can be overwhelming, but I think the first thing to do if you're going to defend the home is, is, is to make sure that, you know, we can talk about guns and, and hideouts and, and, and funnel, fatal funnels and all kinds of stuff, but just making sure that your home, like you're locking the doors or, um, I know my parents, I don't know how long they went and their, their, their sliding glass door didn't have a lock on it. And I kept bugging them. And finally I went up there and I fixed it, but like just stuff like that, like maybe there's a light out over your, over your porch or, you know, the lock on the window doesn't quite lock or, or whatever it is, you don't have a peephole, right? Simple stuff like that. It's the fortification of the outside and making sure that stuff, trees and bushes aren't overgrown in front of your windows, those types of things that, um, you know, go a long way to, to just dissuading people from actually wanting to potentially uh, try to break into your home, whether it's to commit a home invasion robbery or to steal toilet paper or food or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. You know, on a, in a normal scenario where we don't have, you know, pandemics and quarantine orders from governors and things uh, on a normal, on a normal year, according to FBI or department of justice, excuse me, now, one in 34 households in America experience a break-in. One in 34, that doesn't sound like good odds. And I realize that's an average and some neighborhoods are better than others and whatever else. But, you know, I think I think of it kind of the way you're describing it, Matthew, almost like a, like a bullseye target where I got like these outer circles of protection and then we get closer and closer to the core. And that outer circle is sort of that, you know, I'll call it perception. You know, the criminals got to you know drive down the street of my neighborhood, and I need them to look at my house and say, "Not that one." I'll, 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 you know, I want them to pick my neighbors. Nothing against my neighbors, but you know, I need to be a more difficult victim than the next. And so I think of that outer layer and those are the things like you talked about, like, you know, having good landscaping, looking like it's occupied, uh, having good lighting. If it's dark outside, uh, those kinds of things, you know, big dogs that bark a lot or a sign that says I have big dogs or whatever, all those little things. And then you get to that next layer of protection, which what I think what you were focused on is that, that kind of, you know, the actual barricade preventing unwanted people out, having reinforced doors, having uh, the ability to see who's at the door before I open it by having the peephole or by having uh, the doorbell camera or whatever tool or asset uh, might be there. Uh, and then, you know, you kind of bring it in another layer and it's like, okay, well, if someone does break in, you know, what, what now, you know, understanding my lanes of fire, understanding over penetration, uh, designating safe rooms and understand having, having specific response plans that the whole family knows how to, how to activate and how to operate on. Um, those are all things that I think of when I think about kind of this, this layered approach to home defense. Yeah. And, and I'll expand on that even, even more. And, and, or, or I want to make the point of that, a lot of the the home burglaries, right? It, people would be at home at work regularly, right? They happen during the day. People are at home, aren't home. Um, well, now everybody's home, so the the chance of you know that home burglary turning into a home invasion 
um, now is is elevated because everybody's stuck at home or um, the dynamics of who's in your home is different. Maybe you do work from home, but your wife doesn't or vice versa. And now everybody's home or your kid's home from school. So I think the way we go about kind of our home security um, routine, if you will, um, is, is definitely needs to be re recalibrated or looked upon differently now, um, with who's at home in the fact that, um, I mean, my buddy just the other night, his, his restaurant, he owns a restaurant and it got, it got broken into and they took the money, cash register, uh, bottles of alcohol, anything they could get. Now that's, I know that's not residential, but provided this thing goes on and on and on, depending on where you live or, or what's going on. You know, it, it's not a it's not a stretch to think that people won't start going to to residences to get to get what they need or what they want, really. Um, and so, uh, I think we have to definitely look at how we're how we're structuring our security at home. Yep. All right. So, tip one from uh, from Matthew and I, I think, is is I'm gonna you know what Matthew what you already said, which is you know think about the appearance of the home and lock down the home have reinforced doors, have locks on the doors, have peoples use the locks on the doors, uh, do what is necessary there. Here's my second tip and I, that I think I find is, 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 and, and I'm, we're not going to do like a 20 tips here, guys. They're like, it's going to be a short list of ideas. But my second thing I find that is most often neglected is the idea of a safe room. Uh, when you when you buy a home and you move in or you rent a home and you move in, it, it doesn't come with a safe room. And I'm, I'm certainly not talking about a panic room. Like, you know, like I see this vision in my mind in some movie where you know, there's like steel plated, like barricaded room and there's cameras in there. And like, that'd be cool if you got that. Like, I'm super jealous. I just, I, what I mean is a simply a, a place that you can retreat to, retreat to. And that from that position, you're in a fortified position that you can eat more readily and easily defend. And that it might have some of the tools and assets that one might need to uh, you know, persevere in, in that fortified position. So, Matthew, you know, along that line of safe rooms, what are some things that might be in a safe room? Or how might someone think about where to have a safe room in the home? Yeah, I, I, you know, and it might not be, you might have a secondary position, right? I'm, I'm not talking about like a battlefield. I'm talking about a secondary position in your home based on, you know, where you are at that time. So depending on how many levels, if you have a basement or whatnot, where your kid's room is compared to, to, you know, uh, where you are in, in those types of things. But typically we would go to a place um, where we can kind of dictate what's going on, where our family is in the room with us, right? We either go to the, the kid's room or maybe there's, there's a protocol where we grab the kids and we go to a specific spot of the house. And, and ideally, we'd have a couple of things. We'd have, you know, a firearm stage there, um, you know, and, and, and ideally, you'd have extra ammunition. We're not talking about, you know, you know, bandoliers of ammunition, but you'd have um, maybe a few more magazines than what you would just typically carry. Um, you'd have a phone, right? So maybe a charging phone that's there that you can call 911. Uh, maybe you don't have your phone in your pocket while you run and your phone's out and now you can't call 911, right? So that would be ideal. Maybe some medical gear. Um, and it would be in a, basically in a position where you can kind of, like I said, dictate uh, if somebody's coming into my home, maybe they have to walk down an aisle, a, a, a hallway to get to me, right? Or uh, I can be able to see them entering the room before they would be able to see where we're where we are. Um, you know, moving positioning furniture in such a way where if I do uh, end up firing rounds, they're not going to go through uh, through the window, but rather the backstop would be, you know, furniture or interior walls of my home. So different things, thinking about how to position your family um, in that, in that incident instance. So you're not trying to do it on the fly. Yeah. Uh, great, great ideas here. So you talked about, you know, having, arguably maybe multiple safe rooms or, you know, kind of a option ABC kind of idea, uh, having, you know, a, an armed response, you know, there, maybe it's an additional firearm or additional ammuni ammunition, a probably good flashlight. You talked about medical gear, you talked about a phone and that doesn't even have to be a phone that's in service. You can take any right. old phone, mm -hmm. stick it permanently on a charger and it'll dial nine one one. Um, so that tends to work really well. You talked about, you know, ideally this being kind of uh, through a choke point or a fatal funnel, something that I'm forcing the BG to go through that, you know, gives me the opportunity to be able to respond while they're still blind. 
and, and obviously a fortified position that ideally you know prevents bullet penetration and protects those inside. I think body armor is another thing I might think about. You know, if I if I wake up and I hear a little bump in the night, I don't throw on my body armor. Sorry to like burst <laughs> anyone's bubble, but uh, you know, if 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 we do have to retreat to a safe room, if I have the opportunity to retreat to a safe room, and I know at this point I got an active threat, like the body armor is going on for sure, um, and I don't have enough for the whole family, but I do have some options, and we're gonna do our best to fortify that position. So those are some good thoughts. Uh, I, li- I like I like what we said here about the safe room. Um, another comment here from Matthew who's watching that the safe room should also have the ability to, to evacuate to the outside in case. My opinion, um, I think I think there's a couple of ways to think about that. If it, it, one is that if you have to if you have to fortify the safe room for multiple entry or exit points, that makes it more challenging as opposed to having only one entry point. But also that means you can't escape right it's except through that single point. Uh, so. It might change some things. If it's on an upper level, then a window you know, is probably not an entry point I have to fortify against, but it is a potential exit if I have like an escape ladder. And so we keep escape ladders in every single room in the upstairs of my house uh, for that reason. So, so I think you have to balance all those potential things and, and think through them. Um Let's talk about weapons, Matthew. You know, is this is this a, is this the good old you know pump my shotgun situation? <laughs> uh, okay, and and like anything else, this is my opinion, right? Like you may have a different opinion, Jacob. The li- listeners and and uh, you guys might have a different opinion. My opinion, um, I, I think the shotgun is 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 a viable option, right? Um, but I've said it before on the show here here and there. Um, Think about who's going to be using this firearm because not everybody wants to shoot a shotgun. Um, and if you have your wife who's scared of a shotgun or your, you know, 13 year old kid who's sh- scared to shoot a shotgun, then having a shotgun for your home defense gun is probably not ideal. I'll, although it may be a very good, uh, close quarters type. Uh, firearm, you know, because it does, it does transfer a lot of kinetic energy into the body. Right. So, um, but I, I think overall, if I was going to go with a, you know, a generic, I don't want to say like one size fits all type gun, but if I was going to say most of the time, if you go with like an AR pistol or, you know, an AR, um, you're probably going to be be able to your 13 year old kid will be able to shoot it. Your wife will be able to shoot it. Well, even if they don't train with it, you have higher capacity magazines. Um, you, you can equip it with a, with a tack light or with a red dot. If you want, um, it, it adjustable stocks that it can fold up. It's small, right? So these types of things. And, and, you know, when we're talking about over penetration, you can get self-defense ammunition, five, five, six, two, two, three ammunition, uh, frangible ammunition that really doesn't have any more penetrating um you know uh, ability further than you know your your uh, shotgun slug round or your uh you know 45 acp um 1911 so i think if in a perfect or in you know if i was just going to say in general what gun would be best for home defense um, I would go with a, with an AR, uh, probably second, second choice would be like a full size, uh, duty size pistol handgun. Yeah. I mean, I think teach their own to some degree, like you said, uh, everybody's welcome to have their own opinion. I, I do think sometimes those opinions are based on outright false ideas. One of those false ideas is the sense that certain shotgun loads don't penetrate like, uh, like other rounds do out of a handgun or out of a carbine. And I can tell you that's really a pretty false idea. And in fact, during the home defense conference, if you haven't already registered, go to concealedcarry.com forward slash HDC to register now. During the conference, we're, one of the videos that we're going to be sharing uh, is uh, it's on day two. This video will be released on March 27th. It's a called Over Penetration and Penetrating Through Drywall Doors and Windows. And it's a real life test. And that video is like 45 minutes long. Um, that kind of shows you how what it looks like. And we, you know, we fire everything from 22 to 12 gauge and bird shot and this shot and the other shot and <laughs> all sorts of stuff. And we do tests through like six layers of, of drywall uh, also at an angle, you know, because, you know, at an angle you might hit um, studs and things like that. And I think you'd be surprised to find out that basically everything penetrates more than you think. So if that's, if that's your reasoning for using the shotgun, I don't think that's a good enough reason on its own. Um, 
Now there is there is something to be said about you know higher velocity and some things like that, but but ultimately you want the tool that's here. Here's my two cents: you want the tool that's most effective at getting the job done, uh, and then the potential uh, things that you have to mitigate in terms of risk, like penetration. Those are things you got to train. Those are things you got to figure out. But ultimately, I want to make sure I get the job done uh, mm-hmm. while I mitigate those risks. And so a carbine is a pretty efficient tool. An AR pistol, obviously, a little bit more maneuverable in a, in a tighter space. And so you mentioned that as, as a very, you know, as a, as a strong option. Generally, the longer the barrel of a firearm, the higher the velocity of that round. Uh, to some degree, that could be good, right? Higher velocity sometimes is a good thing. It also tends to make it more accurate. So accuracy should not be our limiting uh, f- factor in a, in a home defense scenario where we're probably not fighting it more than, uh, I can't imagine a situation in my house where I'm shooting it more than, geez, 15 yards would be like my max potential right. distance in my home, maybe 20, but but probably I'm inside of 10 yards. So probably inside of like five yards, frankly. So I think that those are all valid considerations. So when we talk about carbine, you mentioned AR several times, but I think it's it's not worth it's not it's worth making sure we don't neglect to mention PCCs, a pistol mm-hmm. caliber carbine. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I think that those are all viable options. One one thing I will say about a carbine is that it's also easier to have accessories, right? It's easier for me to put on a light or potentially a laser or uh, you know all those other things. Whereas mounting some of those things on a shotgun could be a challenge, depending on the shotgun. Uh, and on a handgun, certainly I can do some of those things as well. But uh, there's there's some limiting factors. One argument in, in favor of the handgun is that it allows me to kind of really manage the firearm well one-handed while I have a handheld light in the other hand. And that's something that's pretty challenging to do with a carbine. You know, in a mm-hmm. carbine scenario or with a shotgun for that matter, I can't really, you know, one-handed be ready to fire with the weapon and and also be operating a handheld light with the other. I can I can I can certainly run a handheld light with a carbine or with a shotgun, but I'm going to be muzzling anything I point that light at when I do that. So that's one argument in favor of the handgun. Um, we could go down a rabbit hole on this one, guys, and, and there's a lot of good comments here from those of you who are attending live. What I definitely could tell you is that uh, look, don't don't get tied up into dogmatic you know, kind of industry standard or assumed industry standard ideas about weapons and firearms and ammunition and, and look for those videos that, well, I know we have two videos in the uh, in the home defense conference about this. One, like I said, about penetration through drywall and things like that. And we have another video that's specifically about ammunition choice. So look for those. Okay. One other thought I think about home defense, and then we're going to kind of turn a corner on our show today. But let's discuss, Matthew, um, oh, I had it in my head. And now I've just, like, it's gone. <laughs> I had one yeah, other really one. Re- oh, I remember what I was thinking. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, tactics and communication as a team. I think there's a tendency to kind of have an, uh, a response plan of sorts in our mind and plan to employ that. But when there's other people in the house, you have you have children. I have children. Um, you know, some people might be empty nesters, but you have a spouse in the home or maybe you have roommates, you know, what, what are some things or a piece of advice we might give someone who doesn't live alone? And especially given that right now, uh, more likely more of us are quarantined and we got, you know, bigger off the whole family at the house. Yeah. Maybe you have a elderly, you know, grandparents staying with you or people, you might be roommates, right? And typically you guys, your schedules don't overlap and now you guys are stuck. Um, I think, you know, as far as if you have somebody new in your home or, you know, those dynamics of your roommate being there, you definitely have to be on the same page because communication, We, I think probably everybody who's listening right now has probably taken additional training classes and, and, and feels confident in their abilities, right? Um, sure, we can all get better and everything, but you, you probably feel good that given a situation, I can probably handle it. And I think that's a, you know, you should have confidence. We don't want to be overconfident, but the, the reality is, is that that person may not rely on you, right? Like they may, but they may think that themselves as well. Like I can handle this. And now you have two people that are kind of not coordinated and somebody saying, Hey, let's, let's go this way. Let's get to the safe area. And the other person is like, no, I'm going this way. Like I feel, and, and that can kind of happen when, um, even, you know, husband, wives, I'm, you know, I'm not saying, um, that, you know, you guys train together because a lot, a lot, a lot of husband, wives 
probably don't. But we have to understand that there has to be some sort of command control type thing. And I'm not talking about like, uh, you know, a pecking order or a chain of command. I'm talking about if something happens, somebody has to kind of be the lead in that role, um, at least to understand so we can say, hey, you call 911. So it's not like, no, I'm going to get the gun. You call 911. And then we're fighting over who's supposed to do what. So I think kind of talking those things out might might help beforehand to, to kind of say, hey, look, if something happens and we're both home, I'm going to grab the firearm. Uh, I, I want you to call 911. Are you comfortable doing that? And if they say, yeah, that's great. Now, if something happens to me, are you comfortable with getting the firearm um, and, and doing this? Now, if something happens, uh, are you comfortable putting a tourniquet on or doing, because I don't want to have to, you know, put down the gun and put a tourniquet on you if somebody's in the home, right? So getting through those kind of like, what do you know? What you, what don't you know? Um, I think that can clear up a lot of miscommunication when when it, when an incident happens. Yeah, so we've already been taught two principles by Matthew today. The first one is that uh, predetermining some things, like who's the lead, is important. I mean, Riley, uh, Riley, you're not Riley, you're Matthew. Matthew, <laughs> as a police officer, when you responded to an incident, did, an, did one of the officers take the lead? Yeah, there was always a contact officer and a cover officer, and you kind of knew that, right? Like, you, you, you show up on scene, and that's that contact officer's you know, he's taking point, he's talking to the people, you're specifically there to cover that officer off. Because if you start interjecting now, you're, you're, you're divert, you're, you're, attention's diverted, right? And so um, everybody kind of has a role. Now, if that officer, you know, something happens, obviously you, the, it becomes fluid, right? The situation's fluid, sure. but you kind of have an expectation of like, okay, when, when somebody comes, uh, when, my, when my wife's here, you know, and, and I have the firearm, she knows, okay, I'm going to call 911. I don't, I don't necessarily have to tell her or something like that, right? Okay. So we kind of know know our roles, uh, knowing that it's it, it, everything can be fluid, right? But we kind of know basic roles. I, yeah, I asked that question because I think it's important to note that this isn't about who's better at what or who's cooler or awesomer or more. This is purely about reducing chaos means having a plan. And so even two well-trained cops going in, going into, into the heat of something know that someone's got to be the contact officer, right? So in a similar situation, for a similar reason, I, I think that's the first thing you taught us is that someone's got to take the lead. Someone's got to be in charge, uh, at least initially, and you know, to the best of, that, of the ability. And the second thing you taught us about team tactics is the importance of communication. I, I tend to find that there's this kind of sense among people that in a home defense situation, I never want to give away my, my position. I don't want to put, turn on a light. I don't want to call out. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to make any noise because they're going to know where I am. You know, there's some, there's some validity, validity to that, but you know, it's worse than them knowing your position, uh, your spouse, not knowing your position mm -hmm. or your kids, not knowing that there's, they're, they're not supposed to walk through that doorway right now. You know, so communication is of the utmost importance and shouting things out to be sure that you're heard is critical. Even if it means the other person hears it, I, that's not a problem for me. You know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm out calling 911, you know, that, Am I concerned if the BG hears that I'm I'm bowing out to call nine one one? Why my my cover is 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 taking a, the the position of fortitude and I'm I'm stepping out of the fight to make that phone call? Now, I don't care if they hear me say that. But frankly, I hope they do hear me say that I'm calling nine one one. And when I get back in, I say back in, or I communicate something like you know, whatever it is I say to communicate I'm back in the fight. Don't do I, am I concerned that they're going to hear that? No, I'm not concerned. Uh, but I am really concerned that the, the person I'm working with knows I'm back in the fight. So those those key considerations relative to communication, I think, is a really valid thing that you've taught us, uh, Matthew. I really appreciate that. Um, one other thought I would have, I guess, about team tactics or, or working with all the occupants of your home is that you can't you can't have a response plan that's going to work in every situation if that response plan is based on specific actions. Right. Um, now you. You, you just don't do that. What, what you can do is you can have a response plan that's based on some principles. For example, a principle might be uh, arm yourself. That's a principle. Um, you seek, uh, seek a place of, of fortification. That's a principle, right? Uh, escape if possible. If not, do this. Like those, those are principles that are, can be generally applied. So I think it's really important as you, if you don't already have a response plan for your home, you need to build one that's based on these principles that's, that's based really clearly on, 
These are the things we're going to endeavor to do in this order. Uh, in our in our course, we have a thing called the five elements of home defense, and we kind of go through what those five things are in that order. Uh, but you you can build whatever principle-based response plan you want. And then what I think is helpful, and this is kind of where I was getting, is to create scenarios, you know, fictitious scenarios, and run a drill based on your response plan. So my response plan might be uh, escape if able, if not, get armed and you know and, and fortify. Right, that that might be my response plan for just to keep it really simple. Okay, well then, okay, great. Let's run a drill. Um, the drill is uh, we're all asleep in our beds, and mom wakes up and hears something because dad doesn't. Not in our house. I sleep through anything, and she elbows me in the gut and says, "I think someone's in the home." That's our scenario. Everybody, go, set, go. Okay. Well, you know, our principle is, you know, escape if able. Are any of us able to escape safely? No, because we're up, you know, whatever. Okay, well, then let's, all, you know, and we go through and we work through some of those things. And in a drill, you hit the chaos. You, you get the stuff. Like, well, I, I didn't, dad, I didn't know what to do because of this. It's like, well, that's, well, that's a good, let's stop and talk about that, right? So, so I think you need to have a response plan that's very principle based, and then you need to run drills. And running drills for me is one of the most therapeutic things we do as a family in this in this conversation because it, it allows my children who are relatively young to feel very confident. They feel prepared. They feel like they know what they, they feel like their dad's going to take care of them. Their mom is going to take care of them. And it also gives us some sense of, you know, what may happen in our home may not be the thing that we, it's a very specific scenario we practiced and we played out, but we still know what we're going to do relative to the, to the response plan. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, and Tristan, uh, in the, in the comments kind of, uh, commented with that same philosophy is he says, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And, and I think that's, that, that really puts, puts, uh, you know, phrases it well, because you just, if you're ready, then you don't have to like reinvent everything, get everything going. And we're not saying be paranoid in your home, please. You know, there's enough anxiety in the world right now. Um, we're not saying, you know, keep your blinds pulled, just peek out. You know, we're not, I don't, I hope you're not getting the, the impression that we're saying, you know, um, you have to live with uh, maximum anxiety levels. I think what we're saying is that if you are ready or if you do these things beforehand, then you won't have to be so anxious because you'll, you'll have that confidence that we're ready as a family. If, if, you know, if there's a fire or if somebody does come in the, in the home or, or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, precisely. All right. Before we transition a little bit here, I do want to just share quickly the titles of the 18 videos that we're going to share during the home defense conference. If you're not already registered, go to consultcarry.com forward slash HDC and register right now so you can get free access to these 18 videos that we're going to be releasing over the course of the six days, March 26th through March 31st. Bear in mind that these videos do expire after 48 hours. So the videos that will be released on March 26th, you can only watch them on the 26th and 27th. By the 28th, they will have expired. So you've got to pretty much log in roughly every day if you want to see all the free video content. All right, here are the videos. I'm just going to run through these real quick, Matthew. Uh, on day one, starting March 26th, okay, you will get access to a video called Physical Security Inside the Home, another video called Who's at the Door, and it's a reenactment. It's an actual scenario based on a news story that we play out, a video called What Kind of Ammunition. On day two, which is March 27th, you'll get the follow access to the following three videos. The Five Fundamentals of Home Defense, which I referenced earlier, Overpenetration and Penetrating Through Drywall Doors and Windows, which I also referenced, and a third one called Cover and Concealment in the Home. On day three, which is March 28th, you'll get access to the following three videos. Safe Rooms, Tools and Strategies, IFDR, if you don't know what that is, you haven't been watching our podcast for, for too long, and number three, Answering the Door and Dealing with Strangers. On day four of the conference, which is March 29th, you'll get access to the following three videos. Fatal Funnels and Stairs, Low Light Handheld versus Weapon Mounted, and Home-Based Dry Fire Practice. On day five of the conference, you're going to get access to the following three videos. This would be March 30th. Staging the firearms and storage. The bump in the night scenario. That's also a reenactment based on a real life news story. And placing the 911 call. On day six, March 31st, the following three videos will be made available in the conference. Number one, retention techniques. This is Riley's favorite video. Just a little hint there. It's pretty cool. Number two, ambush at the door. Also a scenario, a reenactment based on a real life situation. And number three, team tactics. 
So those are the 18 videos that be, will be made available during the conference. Make sure you get in there and you get registered again at concealedcarry.com forward slash HDC. For those of you who have already purchased our complete home defense course, and there are thousands of you who have done so, um, do you want or do you know would it still be worth your time to go register for this conference? Well, you already have access to not only the 18 videos that will be released in this course, but an additional like 30-something videos that make up the full course that we we produced and we, we've we been selling since 2018. So there won't be any new content for you in this conference, but I would encourage you, if you have already bought our Complete Home Defense course, to go, this is a good time to go and rewatch that content and go through it again. And and if you're anything like me, and I'm the one, you know, I'm one of the instructors in the course, but if you're anything like me, when you go through it, you'll be reminded of things that you either stopped doing that you should be doing or that you meant to do that you never got to or other things. So I would encourage you to go through that content again if it's been a while. Yeah. Or grab the family members who haven't, you know, didn't want to, didn't watch it with you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you bought it, if you have online access to the streaming, great, like cast that sucker to the TV or put the computer up and have everybody watch it together. If you uh, ordered our DVDs, it's available on a three DVD disc set. You can pop that in and, and watch it, assuming you still have a DVD player. Okay. Let's transition a little bit. Uh, here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm putting Matthew on the spot. He's not prepared for this. Uh-oh. But I want each of us is going to give two prepper tips. Hmm. All right, so there'll be four total, two prep, and and you know things that you should do to be prepared to bug in have nothing to do with guns or home defense. I'm going to go first so that Matthew has more time to to think about it and talk. It's Gracias. And okay, okay. So uh, there's all the normal. Like I'm really tempted to go with some of like the the core standards. Like you should have food storage. If you don't now, you're kind of screwed. Good luck getting some. Uh, you should have already had it. And and water is important too. So I'm really tempted to talk about water. But here's here's going to be my number one. My my number one tip that I'm going to share today is. Go buy a ham radio. Hmm. Now, stick with me. Uh, a ham radio is a radio that requires a license to transmit on. You have to have a license given to you from the federal government to be able to legally transmit on a ham radio. Um, this license is not too difficult to obtain. And I, 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 when I, I took the test in 2015 to obtain that license. And I just downloaded some app that was free to my phone that had like flashcards of all the questions. And I just like studied those for like four days. And then I walked in and aced the test and got, got the license. So it's not rocket science. Um, however, without the license, I still think you should have a ham radio. And a couple of reasons why. Uh, number one, it is the number one communication tool if the grid goes down. Without question, if cellular and internet go down, the ham radio is it. It's not CB radio. CB radios have horrible uh, distance op- you know, options. Ham radio will be it. Worldwide, planet Earth will use the ham radio if, if, if other communication systems go down. So that's number one. Number two, no license is required to buy one and to listen. No license is required to just listen to anything on a ham radio. Uh, number three, in an emergency... Even if you don't have a license, it is legal to transmit. So if you have a legitimate true emergency and you have no other means of communicating, even without a license, you can transmit on a ham radio. It's legal. It's okay. You're not going to, you know, no one, the FCC is not coming after you. So even without a license, you should have a ham radio because in an emergency, you're allowed to transmit. And the fourth reason I think you should have a ham radio is because uh, in an emergency, it's also a really good way to listen to very specific things. For example, a lot of us have like an emergency weather radio uh, in our bug out bag or you know something like that. Well, I don't need an emergency weather radio because a ham radio also accesses those same frequencies. It also, via my ham, I can listen to most of my municipal frequencies, fire, police, uh, the local high school you know, resource officer, the, the airport, you know, all those kinds of things. So a ham radio is an amazing tool to be able to listen and monitor. And in an emergency, even without a license, you can transmit. Uh, you can get a basic handheld Baofeng, you know, ham radio on Amazon for like 30 or 40 bucks. And I will put a link in the show notes of my favorite ham handheld hand, ham radio. A handheld does not get great distance. Uh, you know, they're usually pretty under, underpowered, five watts, and you got to be pretty close. But it's better than nothing. And it will definitely pick up uh, the, the emergency weather service. Those Those transmissions are really strong. So that's my number one. Go get yourself a ham radio. And in due course, you should get the license to operate it. Hmm. Very interesting. That was, that was good. I, I, you know, um, I'm glad you kind of stuck with something that wasn't, uh, probably on a lot of people's radar. Yeah. Um, get the ham. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to keep with that same kind of thing that, 
you know, everybody's probably beaten the dead horse about water and food and all guns and knives and all kinds of stuff. Um, I'm going to say um, one thing that, you know, is really important that you might have overlooked is uh, getting your medications. If you take medication, mm-hmm. right? Let, let's say you take high blood pressure medication or something, or you're elderly and, and you have some sort of blood thinner medication or whatever it might be. That's probably critical for you to be healthy, even in if you don't have coronavirus. So, um, and, and, you know, right now, sure, we can order things on Amazon and get stuff and the post office still going and, we, you know, the pharmacies are still open and stuff like that. But, you know, who knows? The worst thing that you would want to have happen is, you know, you not be able to get to the pharmacy and they don't have the medication you need. Um, and so you have everything else, you're all planned for zombies and everything like that, but you, you know, your blood pressure is going through the roof because you don't have your medication. So that would be one that I would say, think about getting extended supply of your medication. If you can, if you're getting it 30 days, you know, maybe get a 90 day supply of stuff. Um, that might be something that, uh, might go overlooked in some prepper, prepper circles or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Having a backup supply of the medication that's critical. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and maybe just even medications is just kind of like, you know, your typical run of the mill Motrin, um, ibuprofen type stuff. Right. Because. Which is uh, all sold out on Amazon right now, by the way, like oh. good luck finding like any cold medicine. Yeah. So maybe people are already doing that. I don't know. Well, um, the problem is that that's the point though, is that you should have done it before. Exactly. Right? That's the point is that it's sold out on Amazon because so many people are not prepared. Uh, that's a great one. I like that, Matthew. All right. Yeah. The other one I'm going to say, and you might've already done this, but I did this today because uh, I had to go out of the house anyways, but um, fill up your, 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 your cars with fuel. You know what I mean? Like gasoline is cheap right now. Um, of course, you know, we're not rationing gasoline and there's no, no prices through the roof or anything like that. But um, I know there have been times in, in, in our history as a country where gasoline was being rationed. So, you know, if for whatever reason you have to uh, drive somewhere, maybe you have to go, your relatives live in a different area and you got to go take care of them or something like that. And you can't, you know, you don't have enough fuel in your, in, in your vehicle. Um, I think being able to be mobile, um, would be, a, would be definitely something advantageous. So, um, even if you can't drive, you're working from home, uh, fill up your tank and, and leave the car like that. So if, you know, need be, you, 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 you guys are mobile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I dig that. Uh, having a couple of gas cans, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, yep. you keep filled up, and and when you are in an emergency scenario, not not letting the tank get more than about you know half empty. That's um, that that's our protocol right now uh, in our home. You know, if when we hit half half empty, we go fill up, and we don't normally do that. You know, when all is well and dandy, we got some gas cans at the house. We can use those if needed. But you know, I I I, I, I let my car run empty. Maybe that makes me a bad person. But right now, I'm not. Right now, it's like I hit half, go top it off. Right. Um, that's what we're doing. Okay. So one thought here, uh, I guess my last, cause I said we'd both share two. So and again, it's hard for me to not talk about water. Like water <laughs> is just so critical. Um, but here's, here's another, like, uh, uh, you know, outside the, the box idea, uh, solar. So obviously residential solar is a big deal, but you can't in an emergency, um, call up sun, you know, <sighs> insert company name here, uh, Tesla and say, Hey, can you come out to my house and install solar panels that, you know, it's, it's just too late now. So you, you might consider having residential solar, but a lot of times residential solar is wired in such a way as to not even work in an emergency. When the grid goes down, uh, you can't, you know, a lot of times they, they, the way different municipalities work, you can't store the power in a battery. Uh, so you can push to the grid if you have leftover, and then you can pull from the grid if your panels, panels aren't generating enough, but there's no storage options. So that depends on the municipalities and the local laws. Uh, but if you're in a municipality where you can store and you and you get residential solar, you might consider you know paying extra whatever's necessary to have a good battery pack uh, so you can store the power. And if you are... You know, if you have residential solar right now and you didn't get the battery pack, you might be thinking about maybe you should have gotten the battery pack. Maybe you should go ahead and install it. But I'm actually not talking about residential solar at all. Uh, I am, I'm really talking about what I would call handheld solar. So in 2018, I think I, I had a little pet project. It, it was, it was silly and it was fun and it was kind of dumb, but I, I went, I bought a, on Amazon, a solar panel. I, in fact, I, 
to be truthful, the first one I bought was not very good. So uh, in the in the show notes, I'll put a link to the one I use now. But it's a kind of a little full, you know, one of those little portable ones that kind of folds and you can stuff in a backpack or whatever. And these this little solar panel is a 24 watts of, of output. It has three USB uh, ports, so you could charge up to three things at a time. Um, though it greatly reduces the amperage when you do that. You know, I, I would always tell you to just charge one thing at a time. Anyway. In, in 2018, when I did this little pet project test, for 30 days, I powered all personal electronics from solar only. Uh, my phone, my headphones, wow. uh, even like I have a little car vacuum that I, I bought that I could power from solar. I have uh, a little lantern, you know, like a, it's a goal zero. I'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, batteries. So I had rechargeable AAA, AA's and all, 9 volts and all that that I was able to recharge via solar. And so my keyboard, my computer mouse, everything that I could run off of a battery or anything that, that you know, I would consider a personal electronic, I, I solely ran off of solar for 30 days. Now that's not life changing, right? That's the house is cold. Uh, the furnace, I can't run the furnace off these little tiny solar panels, um, but it is a pretty effective tool for making sure that I can at least operate a personal electronic device. I can at least charge my ham radio that I can at least, uh, you know, turn on whatever little thing that I might need to turn on that runs on triple A's or that runs on double A's or whatever it might be. And, and so I think having a little portable solar panel, and uh, I'll add a portable charger to go with it. And when I say portable charger, I'm thinking the things that you can buy everywhere that you know you would normally use to recharge your phone when it's dying. A good solid one of those, because what you want to do is during the daylight hours when it's really hot outside, you th- you put out the solar panel and you recharge the portable charger and you drive as much energy into that thing as you can, and then from that you charge your other devices as needed. So uh, I, I I know that this is is kind of you know it's not gonna, not going to save your house if the grid goes down to have a little portable solar panel, but it is something I can bug out with. And I can use if I bug in and the grid goes down for basic electronic needs to ensure that I'm not wholly without anything. Uh, and, and I'll add that having just a good backup supply of batteries in the house is a good idea too. You know, double A's and triple A's and things like that, nine volts, so that you can operate basic, simple electronics uh, and, and make sure to my, you know, what I said earlier to connect with, I said that I can at least charge uh you know, my ham radio and I have light. I'm a big fan of a company called Goal Zero. Um, most of my favorite solar panels are not Goal Zero brand. I'll put a link to my favorite solar panels, but I also do like Goal Zero. They make a handful of things and I'm quite fond of a Goal Zero lantern. It's the, I think it's called the Lighthouse 400 or something. I know that the, the number is 400 and it's a great lantern. You can hand crank to charge it. You can charge it from USB, therefore from solar. And uh, it also has a USB port. So you, from, you can draw from the lantern's batteries to charge another device. It has a beacon red emergency light and a, a standard kind of lantern. It's kind of shaped and looks like a camping lantern. And it's a good way for me to ensure I always have light. If the grid goes down, this is a really solid quality lantern uh, and, and it's I can hand crank or I can charge it from solar because anything that you can charge the charges via USB I can charge from solar. That's the way to, to correlate that. So consider that, guys. Uh, you know, little little handheld solar panel is not going to cost you a fortune. You don't have to sign a fifty year contract uh, with the solar company, but for seventy five bucks you can go get a quality portable solar panel. So that's my second one, Matthew. Yeah, re- really good. I I know you know a lot about uh, solar power because we we talked about it off and on before. Um, and, and so I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't really keen on other than those little, you know, little solar power pack things that you get. I think the NRA was giving them out one time and stuff. So, um, but yeah, that's that's really wise. I mean, and I I, I understand this. You know, the conversation we, we didn't talk about, you know, hey, buy 6,000 rounds of ammunition, right? We didn't talk about guns so much. Um, but I, I think all these little things, um, definitely when we, when we look at, you know, keeping down our anxieties and being able to focus on, you know, taking care of our family and doing work from home or whatever we have to do, um, having these little things that are already staged and already ready to go, hopefully we never needed to use them, right? Uh, like if you buy 6,000 rounds of ammunition, hopefully you don't need to use, you know, 6,000 rounds of ammunition, but you buy it because, you know, y- you want to be ready. And same thing with these little things that we're, we're talking about. I think uh, it just reduces that that worry that, hey, what if, you know, the, the, it becomes summertime and everybody's using their, their air conditioner and then the, the grid shuts down because, you know, it overloads the, the, the power avail, availability of power, right? So those little things I think is, uh, gives us some peace of mind. Emergencies can strike. Uh, I mean, I don't live in, I don't live in New Orleans because if you do, you're a fool. Mm. 
uh, because they get hit with hurricanes uh, you know, on a regular basis. I'm, I'm, if any of you listening are from New Orleans, I'm sorry. I just, for me personally, I, I'm, I'm not doing it. Um, but no matter where you live, you aren't perfectly isolated from any potential emergency. I mean, I can tell you right here in my neighborhood where I live right now, uh, there was uh, some floods that we had a couple of years ago, and those floods made it for, so a, a large number of homes were destroyed, and an even larger number of homes couldn't get clean water for about a week. Uh, so, you know, you, emergencies can ha- strike anywhere. And, and food storage, I've been through my food storage before when I lost my job and I had no money. I ate through the food storage. Really glad to have it then. I'm really glad to have it now. Uh, so have water, have food. <laughs> I don't mean to like downplay those. I know I was trying to think of some out of the, out of the box ideas to share, but, uh, when we, when we think again, that the firearm is the magic talisman, that nothing bad can me to ha- can happen to me because I have guns and ammo. We are looking at our own survival in a very narrow way, very narrow. We've got to think more broadly. We got to think about hand to hand combat. We got to think about having to bug in during a natural disaster. We got to think about a lot of things. And so I encourage you to figure out where you are weakest and your ability to survive and to support your family and make a goal to do something about that weakest point. Maybe it is the gun and the ammo. Maybe it's something else. Figure it out. And please, please, please register for our home defense conference starting on Thursday, concealedcare.com forward slash HDC. Thank you, Matthew, for being here with me today. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, today is our weekly giveaway. This is our Tuesday episode, and so we're going to poll our winner. A reminder, you do not need to be participating with us live to win. All you have to do is go to concealedcare.com forward slash podcast prize. Each week, roughly between like Tuesday and Sunday, uh, I guess between Tuesday and Monday of each week is kind of the cycle. So make sure, you know, just set an alarm on your phone or something. And every week, go to the webpage, concealedcare.com forward slash podcast prize, and fill out that form and enter to win. And uh, during our Tuesday episodes, we poll at random. Uh, a person from that the entered and that person wins. So this week, uh, Matthew, what's the prize? The prize this week is a legal boundaries by state book. So this is a $20 prize plus shipping. So normally if you went to our site and bought this, you'd pay $24.99 with shipping for us to send this to you. This uh, book was last updated in January of this year. So you're getting the most updated version. It's a hundred pages of awesome gun law, you know, reference material. Matthew, you ready for this action? I am. I'm ready to go. I was stalling so you'd have time to log in and get ready. I got it. You ready? You ready? (laughs) All right. Here we go. The winner of this week's giveaway, the Legal Boundaries by State book is... All right. The the winner's first name is John. The last name starts with a G. It's very short. Four-letter name. And you have a hotmail.com email address. Uh, It starts with C-A-T-S-U-K, Cats Suck. And then right. it goes on. So John G, who thinks that cats suck, you are the winner this yes. week. Of our legal boundaries by state book. And what is the prize next week, Matthew? Next week's prize. Let me pull it up. Uh, next week's prize is the uh, concealcarry.com or uh, yeah, concealcarry.com targets the reactive targets. All right, so a pack of targets, adhesive reactive targets. We love those targets. So make sure you go and enter this week so you can be among those from whom we pick a winner next week. I appreciate you being here. Until our Thursday episode, remember to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.